You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is and I would like to call in the spirits for our conversation here today. So I call out to the ancestors to be with us here today. To my ancestors and Betsy's ancestors and the ancestors of every person listening, not just now in this hour that we are talking, but all those who will download this show and listen to this show at any point in time, I call out to these ancestors to bring all that is good and true and beautiful into this conversation here today. It is on their shoulders that we stand, and may we learn from those who have gone before us and go forward in a way that is centered in the heart and allows us to express that energy in all that we do in each day. I call out to the energy of the earth below us to bring us the energy of connection and connectedness to each other and to other living things, Um, a deep grounding and a sense of belonging. And may we open up to the energy of the earth and respond to her with gratitude and open up to our awareness that this this planet is our home and we need to be accountable and responsible to this beautiful place that we have chosen to live. So we call out to the energy of earth to give us place, to give us home, to give us this, this place to gather. We call out to the sky above and call in the energies from above, and by whatever name you call that energy, call it down, to bring in blessing to our circle, generosity, and benevolence, to bring in all the energies of the realms above, and to bring in protection, to gather around us, to circle around, to hold us well, that we might be able to to speak what needs to be spoken, that we might hear what we need to hear, and that all the questions that are there are answered today as the program unfolds. And we call out to the energy of the heart, the energy of the hearts of every person listening to this show and who will listen to this show to to gather round today in this circle and to connect to each other and to open up to the amazing power of the heart to merge the passions of the body with the clarity of the mind to bring out of each one of us the true and unique gift that we have come into this life to deliver to the world. So with all these energies gathered round on our own helping spirits, we call in all those who support us in our life here as humans, and we thank them for their presence. And we thank Betsy Bergstrom for joining us here today. Hi, Christina. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you, Betsy. And today, Betsy is going to speak about the things we didn't actually get to talk about in our prior show. For those of you who are interested in hearing Betsy speak beautifully about her heart-centered shamanic healing work and depossession work and that whole aspect of Betsy's practice, the show is June 3rd, and you can download that show from the Voice America site or iTunes at any time you choose to for free. So I suggest that you... um, It was a wonderful show, so I strongly suggest that today we're going to forge ahead with new ideas. We're going to talk about shamanic mediumship and attunement, and in particular, looking at Ideas that Betsy has found through her practice of helping people to become their own most powerful ally. So, um, 
um, if you want to, since you're listening online, if you want to Google around and find Betsy, her website is pretty easy to find, <laughs> BetsyBergstrom.com, right? Right. Yeah, so um, you can see uh, the information there about the classes that Betsy is teaching, and what her different offerings are, the calendar, all that information is there. So please do feel free to check out Betsy's website. Um, but what I was interested in starting today with is, um, Betsy, you're teaching a new class in October, and I was just wondering what that class is about and why you decided to offer it. This particular class is, in, is basically an introduction to shamanism, and um, I am excited about offering it because I like to include a little bit of a different perspective in it. Um, I like to start right out with the understanding that we are all very mediumistic people, not just particular people who are mediums, but we all are really attuning to and experiencing in different ways the vibrations, the energies, and the different things that are going on around us. And so in this particular class, I, I am able to um, help each individual find their particular way of connecting with the helping spirits and the compassionate beings who are around them in ways that give them immediate access and um, and, that, and, and with using the pathways that are already intact for them, pathways that they've already used in their life in a regular kind of way. So um, uh, is there anything in particular that inspired you to offer this class at this time? Um, I think that this is a time when there are so many different things going on for people that we can experience a lot of confusion. We have so many different things coming at us, and... This particular class is um, is geared not only to introduce people who um, have an interest in connecting with compassionate spirits and the different allies and beings who are really around us and willing to help us, but also people who are wanting to learn how to screen out some of the things that are coming into their lives in ways that are maybe a bit disruptive. So it's um, laying the groundwork for people to be able to become I think in some ways much more autonomous and much more themselves by being aware of how they operate in the world using, you know, with their own sensory abilities and perceptions and then being able to use those particular sensory abilities and perceptions to connect even deeper in very meaningful ways with the compassionate spirits. So I want to ask you a question in a minute about the middle world, but I just want to create a little context for people that are new to shamanism um, that are listening here today. One of the ways to understand the invisible world that we engage in through shamanic techniques and mediumship is um, to understand it as having an upper world and a middle world and a lower world. And this is um, true for many, many shamanic people around the world. It's not just a contemporary manifestation. It's, it's the way many cultures see it. But understand there's also as many cultures in the world that just see it as the other world. There's here and there's there. <laughs> they don't make that distinction. But it but it's helpful. And so I was wondering, since you do focus on the middle world and a lot of trainings don't, what is it that you find about the middle world that is important for people to know and to pay attention to? Well, I, I think the thing that is the most striking about um, having an interest in the middle world is that we live in the middle world. Um, we're always being affected by what's going on in the middle world, both in ordinary, what would be, we could call ordinary reality, the kind of things that we see and feel and experience, and also non-ordinary reality, which could be the dream state or the or the interface with the other world in in 
um, you know, in our lives and in what we could call the middle world. And so I think it's of huge importance for us to have a, a strong understanding of what is in the middle world with us and, um, and to be able to successfully navigate it, um, I think that we can use some of the skills that we already have. Wonderful. So um, my sense from what you've been saying is that people can take this class without any prerequisites? Absolutely. Good. Okay. Um, so for for more information about this class, people can look at your website, but I just wanted to say again that it's a three-day residential retreat um, at a retreat center here in Oregon called Still Meadow, and the dates are October 2nd through 4th. Is that all correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a very beautiful retreat center that um, has been part of a spiritual community for many years, so it creates an absolutely incredible environment for um, for a class like this to happen where we can be inside um, working, learning how to journey shamanically and being aware of um, connecting with the ancestors and other different ceremonies. We can also go out into nature in this particular site, and there's old-growth forest there. There's just a, um, a truly alive um, environment in the area for people to experience using these other, you know, using these senses that we'll be paying attention to and helping people to open and be aware of. And for those of you who don't know, Oregon is absolutely exquisite in October. And it's a really, we have a fifth season we call Indian Summer, and it's really lovely. So it would be a beautiful treat to offer yourself, especially if you haven't quite had enough summer vacations. It's a wonderful opportunity to nourish yourself with. So I, I highly recommend it for those of you who can come. We have just a few minutes till break, but why don't we start with um, just a simple clarification for people about shamanic mediumship and and what this term means for you in, in its broadest sense. Well, in, in the normal context, people think about mediums as being people who are channeling or bringing through, talk, you know, talking to the spirits of the dead or or maybe um, channeling some kind of extraterrestrial information or something like that. And that all can be a particular strand of mediumship. But when I think about shamanic mediumship, what I'm referencing is that we are, you know, as human beings, we're actually most, we're really energy. We seem really solid, but we're not. And so we're, we're living in a world that has um, so many different vibratory and energetic things going on around it. And our, our, what we think of as our physical bodies and our energy bodies are always experiencing those, um, those different things that happen in the environment around us. And so shamanic mediumship is about being, recognizing that, that we could be, as a human being, at the effect of emotions of living people who are around us, um, and we could be at the effect of, of um, for instance, um, places in the landscape that have gone through um, particular experiences like war or even something very positive where our body is going to experience and somehow be informed by the energy that's going on around us. And with shamanic mediumship, one of the things that we can learn to do is be aware of what's happening around us and be aware of how our body is responding and reacting to it. And we can also begin to to um, decide who and what we want to attune to. And in fact, when I teach shamanic mediumship, the very first things that I like to um, offer people are experiences in connecting with and meeting with 
deities or very powerful compassionate spirits and and when people have that opportunity to connect with those beings those compassionate and loving and very helpful beings they're literally what can begin to happen is that the energetics of their body begin to attune to those compassionate beings and so it begins to change us in a good way and you know help us in some ways just to survive the stresses of the environments and uh, all the different activities and things that are going on around us so it seems like one of the main ways this would enrich our lives even if someone had no desire to be a shaman or something like that it seems useful for anybody to just get a better sense of what is going on around them why are they feeling the way they're feeling and what they could do about it absolutely i work with a lot of sensitives and so these are survival skills for sensitives that we'll be offering beautiful so we're going to talk more about this as we come back from this break i'm going to explore this um these energies and what they might be and attuning to these compassionate beings so betsy thank you for being with us here today and thank everyone for listening and we hope to hear you um with your questions or your emails as we come back after the break welcome back we are speaking this afternoon with betsy bergstrom who um works has a practice around heart-centered shamanic healing and again you can find her information at betsybergstrom.com and um before the break oh and i wanted to remind you we are live today so we're happy to take your calls as a nice lady said or you are welcome to email me with a question at christina at lastmasscenter.org so um we were talking about shamanic mediumship and what I really saw emerging from Betsy's conversation was, you know, if you, as a regular person out there in the world, never did anything that had anything to do with shamanism but this, but to learn this one thing, how to navigate all the energies, all the different things going on in the middle world, and and frankly learn the extent to which you already are, or at least you're sensing things but don't know what to do about it, this seems to me to be one of the most valuable offerings shamanism has for people today in, in general, in the most general sense. Um, so, Betsy, why don't we continue with this? So um, let's just start just with kind of how, what was important about this that really brought you into it, and let's just move from shamanic mediumship into what you found can happen in people's lives through these attunements. Well, one of the, um, the things that I observed was um, for myself that I'm actually what people would call very empathic, and so that means that I can really sense and feel what's going on for other people. And when I began working in an alternative healthcare clinic years ago, I found myself being incredibly sick every single day. And the longer I worked in the clinic, the more I realized I was attuning literally to the pains and the discomforts and the different traumas that people were you know, had experience and were coming into the clinic with. And when I left at the end of the day, I would have to spend time essentially reattuning to myself into my own particular state. And so it, I began to really seek um, methods of being able to return to myself and to um, but also to be aware that having a sense of what going on, is going on for other people could be valuable information, but I don't want to live with it every moment. So at that point in time, were you not necessarily working with shamanism specifically? Well, um, if you recall from our last conversation, I've, um, I have grew up in a shamanic family, so I've always been working with yeah. different spirit guides and teachers. Um, but this was before I had a shamanic practice per se, definitely. So, so you were in many ways at that point 
to the extent that you are like other people, like other people. Exactly. <laughs> you know, just going to work, doing your job, getting home, and asking what the hell just happened. Yeah, and why don't I feel good? Yeah. And, um, and you know, even being aware, the more, you know, and working in that environment, I became more and more sensitive so that even driving through particular intersections, I could feel the road rage in the morning or mm-hmm. something like that. And, and it would affect me for a period of time, and then I would be able to slough it off. And so I began to just watch this and think, what is going on? And, um, and how do I get a handle on this? And well, as this I began is important to, because uh, I know a lot of people that say, well, I'm empathic, as if that's an explanation for all the ills of their life. And while it may be an explanation, it's not an excuse because they can still learn to do something about that. Yeah, I mean, the way that I would look at it is that it, it can define us until we realize it doesn't have to define us. Mm-hmm. But what And what I've come to realize is that our body is just this incredible instrument that's always giving us information. But we're um, essentially often what happens for us as children is we learn to tune out some of the most basic and powerful perceptions that we have. You know, many children um, go through stages or periods of time in their life where they are seeing things, whether they're imaginary friends or they're hearing things, and and consensual reality says, no, 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 that's not really happening. And, and what I have come to realize is that we're all given some kind of survival skills, some kind of survival perceptions like this, and unfortunately, oftentimes, the environment around us doesn't support us maintaining them or keeping them. Mm-hmm. And so we then don't learn how to manage them or how to work with them. And because we still have those senses operating, um, we may then experience something, but we, in a way, are in denial of what's going on. And so we end up being really much, you know, sometimes living at the affect of what's been happening for us. Yes, I see that a lot. I also see, I think in some people, um, the, the counterpart of that, which is they're so forced into their survival skills, they're pegged on 10 all the time, and they, they're a little crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like they present a little like they they're just so constantly in those um mediumistic skills that they're not really dealing with every the everyday very well anymore. Yeah, that's a very good point that can go one way or the other. And I think people who've had traumatic backgrounds often have often are thrown into their particular perceptions. I mean they they become kind of hyper vigilant or they become hyper you know hyper using them I guess is the best yeah. way to describe it. Yeah. It seems to me, that, and this is kind of what I'd like to go into now, is by starting to give people skills and a, and a frame of reference perhaps, um, they can start to either um, come back up out of being shut down or come down out of being amped up and find a place of balance and, well, I guess one would hope, an ability to use the gifts they've been given in their life, to live their life in a good way. Absolutely, and and to um, to be aware that, um, for instance, if pe- when people are learning how to um, do the shamanic journey, oftentimes people have an expectation that the journey is going to be very visual for them. And for for many people, the visual sense is not the dominant sense. They might be more um, they might be more sensory, or they might be more cognitive. In fact, I've come to look at these different perceptions as the clairs. I mean, people think of clairvoyance, that ability to see something extra, whether it's um, seeing visions or seeing the past or seeing the future or seeing um, compassionate spirits or spirits of the dead. I mean, there can be all different kinds of clairvoyance. Um, 
there can be clear audience where people can hear uh, their helping spirits or their guides or sometimes they hear even the dead people around them talking. You know, it's always good for, for people who have clear audience to be able to figure out what it is that they're hearing and what spectrums are already open to them. And the clairsensory, you know, when people just can really sense that something's going on, that information is coming in through the energetics of their body. And claircognition, when people just know something and they don't know how they know it, but they know it. And um, and then there can also be extra olfactory senses where people smell things. You know, often the shamanic songs are about the sweet-smelling, compassionate spirits or the, you know, the bad-spelling, you know, um, bad spirits, the ones who cause problems or illness. And so, um, for instance, when people channel um, Mother Mary, for instance, they'll often experience the scent of roses around her. So that olfactory sense can be very powerful for people. And so it's, I, I find that people love finding out what their perceptions are and to be able to work with them and, and, um, and, and realize that to journey shamanically or even just to be in the regular world, in the middle world, and be aware of what your dominant senses are will help you to get an understanding of what's going on in the environment around you. So then the next step would be, well, I don't know if they're the steps, but another aspect of this would be the attunement then um, with right. these compassionate beings. So let's talk about that a little bit. Well, when we when we learn how to work with mediumship um, in my in my way of experiencing it, um, I'm aware that we're attuning all the time to people around us. So, you know, and that's true. It's sort of like we're, we're, we're human ourselves, and so we're around a lot of humans, and so that's who we attune to. And so the humans around us often have their own issues or problems, and so we're maybe feeling or sensing or and somehow being impacted by those. So what I've come to see is that... Um, one of the most powerful things that we can do for ourselves is learn how to attune to compassionate beings. And, um, for instance, in different um, cultures or different even religions like Buddhism, sometimes some of the things, the practices that people might do are attuned to particular deities where they really take on the the energy, the aspect, they imagine themselves like that deity. And what actually begins to happen for people when they do that is they do begin to match that resonance. And so it becomes very healing, very informative, very enlivening for them. And um, in a reverse kind of way, if people, for instance, are really into horror things and, and they're watching, you know, kind of darker um, things and they begin to identify in some way or, or focus on those energies, then they will literally attune to those energies too. So one of the things that I've found with this attunement is that if we want to have more protection in our life, if we want to feel like we're less vulnerable on, in whatever dimension or whatever aspect of our life, when we begin to attune to the truly compassionate, the really powerful, the very positive, what we'll find is, is our energy, our vibration, our whole being begins to match that resonance and we begin to um, become much more safe in the world. I've often had um, mostly young clients in that particular situation on protection say, well, why wouldn't I want to stay attuned to this really powerful, nasty being? You know, this this being seems to be able to kick everybody's ass. <laughs> and I haven't really, I don't always find a good way to to help that person understand that these compassionate beings 
from my my way of thinking of things are are always going to be ultimately the the greater energy because they're connected to the oneness of everything. But I don't know what would you say to that. Um, that's that's an interesting point. I haven't personally come across that, but I uh, when I think about it, um, my I think my response would be that personally, what happens for us when we are in the presence of a big kind of negative being or negative energy, no matter how powerful they are, what will happen for us is that our energy will begin to attune to that energy. And so, you know, our physical bodies are great big magnets. And so what that means is even though we might think that those beings are doing something powerful for us or helpful, we're actually so attuning to their resonance that we're going to magnetize more dark stuff to us, more trouble, more issues. Right. One of the things that happens for us, you know, in in um, contrast is that when we attune to the compassionate, the beings who really are expressions of the, you know, of the loving and beneficial qualities of the oneness, then what happens is that our body, our being, our whole expression begins to um, magnetize those kinds of energies and expressions to us. And so our life actually changes in really positive ways. Beautiful. We're going to talk more about that wonderful idea when we come back from this break. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. We are here speaking with shaman Betsy Bergstrom. And what we're talking about today is attunement, um, primarily attunement with powerful, compassionate beings, um, and how our, our learning to attune with them, but also our willingness to re- attune with them, um, can changes us. And one of the things um, that Betsy uh, does in her work is a process of helping people to discover their true self and how that becomes their most powerful ally. So, Betsy, could you talk about that? Absolutely. Um, you know, as, as we can all be aware, we, we experience many different things in our lives, and, and some of those experiences are positive and some aren't so positive, and we change in, in relationship to those experiences. And sometimes um, we can feel like we're just not how we used to be. And I have found, you know, people are always asking me, for instance, how do I stay protected in the world as a sensitive or, or a person who's in a stressful environment? How do I keep myself protected? And what I began to realize is that one of the most powerful protections that we have is our own true self, and that true self is is the deepest truth of who we are and how we are meant to be in this particular lifetime. And that true self is still intact, even though the, you know, the self that's been through many experiences can feel like it's been victimized or harmed or, or recovering or in whatever kind of state that they might be in. It's really important for us to know that, that, that within us residing is a part of ourselves that absolutely has never been injured, absolutely has never lost sight of the vision, the knowingness of who we really are, still retains all of the qualities that um, maybe we're no longer experiencing because of things that have happened to us. And so it's one of my favorite um, allies to introduce people to, and people find that they love themselves when they actually get a chance to meet with their true self. So... um can you describe for people how that process works? It's really simple. Um, the, 
you know, I start out by just helping, by doing guided imagery and helping people to enter into some beautiful place in nature. And then I ask people to really kind of anchor themselves into that beautiful place using all of their senses. So I invite them to see the details of the landscape, to hear the sounds, to experience the temperature of the air, the feeling, the special quality of that place, to to touch um, different objects or textures, to, even to taste sometimes. And, and what happens then is that there's a, there's a natural relaxation that happens for the body just to be able to go even in an imaginary way into such a safe place. And the, that place in nature needs to be a sanctuary, a place that is absolutely safe. And then in that sanctuary, I just invite people to ask for their true self to join them. And their true self always does join them. And when it joins them, I ask them to just pay attention to what perceptions are, are aware of their own true self. And to meet their true self like they would be meeting a new person, you know, where you, they walk in the door and you get a sense about who they are. You can experience some of their qualities. You can experience, the, you know, whatever you might notice first about them. And I just encourage them to invite that true self to come closer and closer and and eventually perhaps even to merge with them. And each time that a person merges with their true self, they remind themselves, they get remembered, they get re-enlivened, um, they, they get refreshed in the sense. Um, and what I like to tell my students is that each time you merge with your true self, you are reestablishing the blueprint of who you, are, who you are and how you're meant to be, not only physically, but also emotionally, mentally, and certainly spiritually. It's a very so, simple process. Go ahead. Sorry. No. Okay. So um, let's talk about what, what happens then in how this, um, I don't know, transforms people into being able to become allies for themselves. Well, it's a, if, we, if we accept the premise that we are mediumistic people living in a world that has a lot of influences going on around us, then one of the things that can happen for us is that we lose sense or sight or understanding of who we are and what our own feelings and what our own experience is. And so I think that before we ever want to really learn how to attune to anything or anybody, a deity, a uh, um, you know, some kind of compassionate being or some other expression, we want to know who we are. And so to meet with the true self is to get a very powerful sense of who we are. And once people learn how to stay connected with that true self, then it becomes an ally within a source of strength, a source of the trueness of who you are. And it, and one of the things that actually can happen is it can give you all the strength of of all your own qualities along with incredible clarity. People who find themselves strongly aligning with this true self begin to be aware that they are able to be in, for instance, conflict or difficult situations in a different way. They retain their center. They, um, they see more clearly. It's, you know, sometimes if we get triggered, we get in some ways, um, I think, narrowed down in our focus or in our awareness. I think sometimes we get disconnected from so much that we might find ourselves living in a world where we don't recognize the oneness in everything. You know, when we're in our true self, we really understand it. 
And when people are in their true self, it actually elicits the true self of others. So it becomes a wonderful way of interacting in the world because you're the one now who sets the baseline of how people are going to express themselves around you. It seems to me in in rapidly changing times, which we are all sharing right now, that it would be critical to have a a daily practice where you're reestablishing your true self and that blueprint um, because who knows what the day brings these days. Absolutely. And one of the things I like to do is teach it in a long process, you know, where people do it through guided imagery. And then I ask people to merge with their true self before they ever go on a shamanic journey. And and believe me, their clarity in the shamanic journey is going to become um, quick very fast for them. You know, that people... People find that their journeying skills really take off when they when they work with that true self as the first being that they merge with, the first being that they connect with. And then for, um, you know, each time that you do the, you know, a long, slow meeting with the true self, you're really getting to understand different aspects and abilities. But you know what? Sometimes in the middle world, you know, in our life, we need our true self right now. And so I also teach a really quick way to merge where the true self is just boom, it's there, click, you know, and you're, you're, in the, you're in your life and you're experiencing it in a different way just in a second. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, and so then uh, how does the relationship work then between the person and then the person is merging and attuning with their true self and then there's the compassionate beings? Right. So once you know who you are, then you can have a much better experience of a compassionate being. And so then we learn to really hold, um, you know, hold our our own ally, that true self, with us. And so when we then invite the compassionate beings, say Isis, for instance, if we were going to um, be mediumistically connecting with Isis, we would invite Isis to come and join us. And then from the place of being merged with our true self, we're going to have a much clearer experience of who she is and what her energies are like and and even a mental, you know, a mind-to-mind or consciousness-to-consciousness kind of connection with her. brings a lot of clarity. And so um, we are, then in that way, we're getting a double attunement. We're getting an attunement to ourself, which helps us in every kind of way. And then we get an attunement to her and to that, you know, that beautiful, gracious, um, very loving quality that she embodies. Well, it seems to me that the part of the beauty in that, and there's a lot of beauty in that, but part of it in the contemporary world is, so here I am, an everyday person, I'm dealing with life, who knows what life just threw at me. And so I have not only my my point of reference, but my clarity of myself, but I have this compassionate being who may offer me guidance or some sort of help in this situation, especially if I craft a question and ask. So this answer comes in, and I can interpret that answer then really clearly through the context of my true nature. You know, in this moment, you know, so I've just lost my job. And my true nature is like, ah, because I thought I was expressing myself through this job. But the compassionate being says, this is a great opportunity. And suddenly I'm not panicking because I'm seeing the whole situation of losing my job differently. So it's it sounds to me that this alignment with the true self and then the attunement with compassionate beings is is becoming critical to get through a day. <laughs> and uh, yes, I mean I really agree and and think about it, you know, if you're in a demoralized kind of state because you've been let go from your work and you're really frightened, then that's 
you know, then that's an energy that you're emitting or kind of saturated with. And remember, we're very much these big magnets. And so that kind of, if you're looking for a new job, you're not wanting to magnetize from that place. You want to be able to, you know, to move into connection with your true self, to get um, some rejuvenation and some clarity and some just, you know, loving compassion from a compassionate spirit. And then from that place, look for your work. You're going to be, re- you're going to be um, magnetizing a much better experience to yourself. Beautiful. Thank you, Betsy. Well, everyone, we'll be back after this last break for another portion with Betsy where we'll begin to talk about how we can use these ideas we've been discussing for our own just everyday protection. So thank you all for joining us this afternoon, and we'll be back. Welcome back, everyone. We are speaking this afternoon with Betsy Bergstrom, and we have a caller on the phone. Tony? Yes, uh, Christina, thank you for taking my call. I'm really enjoying the show. And I was wondering if you could spell out the website for Betsy Bergstrom, because I'm not sure on the spelling. Oh, okay. Um, B-E-T-S-Y, Betsy, Mm. B-E-R-G. S-E-R-O-M, yeah, Bergstrom, yeah. Okay, so the last name is B-E-R-G-S-T-R-O-M. Yes, dot com. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. uh, Really enjoying the show. Thank you. So, so Betsy, so we were talking about, um, well, attunement, attuning with yourself, your true self, and attuning with compassionate beings. Um, And now let's start in the last part of the show to, talk, um, while I feel that is probably one of the most practical things people could do, one of the things people email me a lot about after the show is is protection. So how does this lend itself to people's ability to move through the day and do a better job protecting their own energy? Okay, well, let's talk about protection for a minute here. Um, the One of the things that I experienced, because I have um, been working with clients in a hands-on way for more than 25 years, is that I will occasionally meet people who have thrown up big shields of energy or psychic barriers and, you know, who've been in situations where they felt like they needed protection from something or somebody in the environment around them. And one of the things that I observe is that when people keep up a, a heavily... Um, you know, a very powerful shield on themselves that eventually it really begins to drain them. Those kinds of shields can really take a lot of physical energy to keep up. Mm-hmm. And so, interestingly, some of the people that I've seen who have fibromyalgia or other autoimmune deficiencies sometimes, from the energetic sense, have these big, powerful protective shields that they've kept up for a long time. And and, you know, it's sort of a, a hypervigilance where they keep them on 24-7, and it actually ultimately drains them so much that other things begin to come into play for them, which well, then makes them more prone to something accessing them. Does it's that make really sense? fascinating because in the very beginning of my practice when I was learning about having an energetic boundary just to have integrity in my energy body, one of the things the Spirit said is that, we're meant to have energetic boundaries just by nature. Um, it's natural to do that. We get taught not to, but that it's natural to have just a, a shape around ourselves of our own energy and that it's meant to be the front line of defense. And, and our, our immune system is just backup. And so yeah. when people live without boundaries, they wear out their immune system because it's not meant to do the job all by itself. 
And so it seems to me what you're talking about is that principle in in an even higher state of expression where it's not it's this you know excessive energy going into boundaries or or all the time and that it's just wearing out the immune system. Yeah, I mean if a person is living in a stressful situation and they um have consciously or unconsciously thrown up one of these barriers for themselves they may find that they're just getting fatigued or that other, you know, the stresses are starting to show through in some kind of a physical um, deterioration or even a, an emotional deterioration. And one of the things that I observed and other people observed too who have been, you know, who are trackers or, or people who pay attention to the energy of um, being able to move about in the, in the world is that when, for instance, if you go out into nature in the forest and, and the birds are chirping and, you know, their animals are moving around and then you step on a dry stick and everything goes completely silent, mm-hmm. not just silence that happens, but it's actually a collapse of the energy field of those different little beings, those little animals and birds, in an attempt to make themselves visible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then when they feel like, okay, the, the threat is gone, then what often happens in nature is that, they they resume their energy field gets resumed and and they resume their lives and and you know and so they're they're not invisible you know they their signature of who they are is no longer invisible. What happens for us as humans is we do very much the same thing. We collapse our energetic field when we feel sometimes when we feel like we're being preyed upon in some way. And unfortunately, what happens then is that sometimes what's preying upon us can get even closer if we never bring it back out. And so people who've been lived in, living under a lot of stress sometimes have been living for a long period of time with a collapsed or nearly collapsed energy field. And so they really feel the need for protection at that point in time. However, if you throw up a psychic barrier, um, it, it can screen out good things too, and it's also just expensive energetically to keep up. So what I, you know, what I learned was that um, one of the ways to really be protected in the world was to... Um, merge with your power animals. In you know, if you remember from last time talking, I'm part Northwest Coast Native, and I was connected with my power animals early on. And what it was explained to me was that everybody has power animals, just like everybody has guardian angels. And so you could work with a guardian angel, or you could work with a power animal if you know who they are. And you know, in my tradition, they were known as totem animals. And so. What I was taught with my totem animal, for instance, would be to envision that totem in front of me in my mind's eye and then to ask that totem to drop its form, you know, if it's an elk, then to drop the elk form and just become pure energy and pure light and invite that elk energy to merge with me. And then that just absolutely changes and re-enlivens my energy field. In the same way, we can invite our true self to be there and we can see all the different qualities of the true self and we can invite that true self to merge with us and that is going to change our energetic field. Working with Curly and Photography, we've tested all of this out. I mean, there's a dramatic difference between before and after merging. And for and people that don't believe it's this simple, I lived for seven years extremely poor in Manhattan and never even witnessed an act of violence, much less experienced it, because this is what I was learning and playing with at that time in my life, was understanding these elements of working with your helping spirits and protection. And it's it's amazingly effective and and much more energy conservative. 
I really agree, and um, and we can also do that with our guardian angels too. That you know, many of us feel closer to the guardian angels than maybe we do to nature spirits or those kinds of beings. And in the same way, those guardian angels—that's what they're there. They're there twenty-four-seven for you. And and often, you know, in it, one of the things that I'm struck by in connection with with compassionate spirits is they so often say, "You just don't call on us enough." You know, the the more they the way it was explained to me as a child from the Native perspective is that you have totem animals or you have these guardian beings, and if you don't know about them, they can do their guardianship of you up to a certain point. But once you begin to call on them, then their ability to help you gets magnified immensely, and so they can be of more and more and more help to you. Well, this is critically important. So I want to remind everyone about Betsy's class because this is one of the things that we as contemporary people have forgotten, which is the spirit world can only help us so much. It's not going to rescue us, that we actually need to participate, to ask for help, and in that simple act of doing it and then learning how to do it, there is um, endless resources out there for us. So as we close here, I want to remind people... um, to register potentially for Betsy's class October um, 2 through 4 in Oregon, and you can learn all of these things we've been talking about today and put them into practice in your everyday life. So thank you, Betsy. Thank, thank you, you to the <laughs> Thank you to the earth, the sky, and the hearts that connect us all. Um, Betsy, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to speak with you again. I've really enjoyed it, and... Um... I am just so grateful that you are doing such a great service by having this radio show. So thank you very much. Thank you, Betsy. So everyone, go out and find your true self. All right, so here we are, returning at this time to this series of shows on protection with Betsy back from 2009. And I feel like these three shows really speak to the the timeless qualities of protection, those principles around how energy works and how human beings are here with other, other life um, and to help us understand uh, the deeper principles that are at play when we engage um, in life and expressing ourselves, protecting ourselves, etc. So here we are, reviewing these shows as we're in a time in the present um, when we feel pushed by recent events to into a kind of sustained activism that many of us have perhaps not really engaged on before, mostly, I think, because we're being asked to, one, for some of you, simply to engage out in the world in a bigger way. But for many of us, we're being asked to engage on multiple fronts, right? Politically, spiritually, socially, economically, culturally, being asked to wake up out of our privilege, being asked um, in in many ways it feels as if, you know, every day is a challenge to be more woke, to be more alive, to be more paying attention to what's actually going on and to show up in a way that um, allows us to preserve those things that are fragile and once broken um, cannot be mended like an ecosystem so or cannot be mended in our lifetime perhaps but anyway so this is why we're returning to these shows about protection because they really help us understand some of the basic principles we need to engage in if we're going to be effective at this time um, as activists socially politically spiritually in this this effort of um, what we're calling at least on why shamanism now shamanic activism 
And so the question arises in this is how do we sustain ourselves? Um, how do we engage in a good way? And I think on previous shows, we've already made the point that simply all out engagement continuously is not balanced and is not effective. And in doing that, ultimately, you lose perspective on the very thing that you wish to support in the world. And often in that exhaustion of all-out effort all the time is we actually end up becoming the very thing we're wishing to um, our activism is focused at changing. So how do we not do that? How do we learn from those who have gone before us and find a way to be effective without actually becoming the very thing that we wish to change? Um, So how do we engage in a good way? In other words, and those to me seem to be the two main things that I have seen in my half a century here on earth is activism that has been um, well intended but ineffective or activism in which the activists become the very thing that they we're fighting against. And so how do we not do that? How do we not fall into those two extremes um, in our efforts to be the medicine in our time? And I think as um, Evelyn Reisdyke said so clearly in her show about shamanic activism is shamans have always been activists. It's always been the focus of what, what uh, we are moved by the spirits to endeavor to do is to to set things right to restore the harmony for all life so how do we do that in our time because if we're not doing that in our time we shouldn't be talking about shamanism you know we shouldn't be calling ourselves shamanic healers we shouldn't be pretending if we're not going to show up for the great disease in our time great diseases of our time and be the medicine so how do we do that how do we do that in a good way? Thus, the just thus this return to these shows with Betsy. And so last week, the essence of the replaying of Betsy's first show on protection with us was um, just being really clear that if we presume to be a force for life here on Earth, then we must be in a powerful, renewing, strong working relationship with divine light. However, we understand that energy, but that we can't expect to to bring consciousness to a situation overrun by shadow if we have not done this work within ourselves. And it's a beautiful show about that. Um, So let's review the key points from this week's show, which are very important. The essence of the message this week being... You must, as a, as a human being here on this planet, you must understand how attunement works and to not think by any stretch of your imagination that the rules don't apply to you. They do. <laughs> and so um, Betsy did a good job talking about having this awareness that as human beings, we are affected by the energy around us and we can pretend that we're not, but it's just pretending that we are affected, some people more than others, based on whatever sensitivity you bring into this life. But the bottom line remains that we are affected by other people's emotions. They can be uplifting, they can be um, 
distracting at least if not toxic for us we can be affected by the human emotions embedded in the land for better or for worse there can be um problems that arise, uh, people that are affected by that cheap land that we were able to buy and put a public school on because it was actually um, an old burial ground, right? So that, or we could be at a place that was a place of ritual and ceremony. So it is an uplifting place, a place of um, power and sacred space. So the energies in the land affect us. Um, other people's helping spirits can affect us, which can be lovely to move into a space, for example, working with Betsy. When you, when you work with Betsy and go into her circle and work with her as a teacher or as a healer, you immediately walk into an environment that is affected profoundly by the working relationships with spirits she's cultivated and her own relationship with the divine. Similarly, when people cultivate relationships with problematic energies, energies that tend to feed off human energy, that affects us as well. There are energies that are simply inherent to the land itself, and they may or may not be healthy for us. We've talked about this in shows about earth energies and working with the energy of the earth, Um, but just because an earth energy isn't necessarily healthy for us doesn't mean it's not healthy for the earth. And so this is just a short list of many of the energies that are affecting us and so as a person wanting to affect change in the world you need to be able to accurately diagnose what is the issue that you're wanting to change before you can be that remedy and so part of accurate diagnosis of what is going on in our world that we would wish to address has to do with learning to discern about these energies that influence us, not only to accurately uh, diagnose them out there, quote unquote, but to understand them in here, in yourself, and how when you are not conscious or able to clearly discern what those energies are, they can distort your perception. And when they distort your perception, they distort your ability to diagnose the actual problem. When they distort your ability to diagnose the actual problem, you are now going to uh, have a hard time being part of an actual solution. And so this is, the, for me, the challenge of shamanism in our time is we have to move beyond the assumption because we identify as being the good guys that anything we do is going to be good and that we actually uh, pull up our boots here and recognize that the shit's pretty deep out there and that we need to be able to move in it and discern it accurately and the only way we'll be able to do that is if we are truly aware of what's going on within ourselves and bring that clarity to the work and so this is the beauty of Betsy's show is she talks about a you're influenced by energy so you need to become able to discern that and so the first thing is awareness you are influenced by energies pay attention the next is learn to discern what those energies are and then the third thing is attunement and this is the big 
point that I want to make from this show. So she she talked about these awarenesses and, and a lot of her training at that time as survival skills for sensitives. And next week, we're going to have Mary Shutown on the show to speak about survival skills for sensitives directly with her new book that she's put out. You know, But back to this practicalities of protection. If we want more protection, we need to look at attunement. What are you attuning to when you scroll through your Facebook page? What are you attuning to when you watch the news or read your news feed? What are you attuning to as you watch the shows you choose to watch by whatever means you watch it, right? What are you attuning to when you set your preferences in the different ways you shape your engagement with with, um, virtual reality? What are you attuning to when you decide what to do on Saturday night? Right? So all of these things are moments in ordinary reality that we are attuning ourselves to certain energies. As we get in the habit of attuning ourselves to those energies, we begin to attract those energies to us. And this is the important thing Betsy is saying about attunement turns you into a magnet. And through repetition, we take on the qualities of whatever we attune to. So you may, to look, may, may need to look at your diet. If you presume to be a force for medicine out there in the world, you may need to curtail some of your indulgent activities because they attune you to your version of actually the very same energies you're wanting to change out in the world. In other words, if you perceive of someone out in the world being false, where are you feeding into your own falseness? Okay, so Betsy talked about attuning to deities and compassionate helping spirits. I'm asking you to look at how you attune to your own beliefs and your own mental patterns and how that can make you righteous and positional and turn you into someone who's very fundamentalist in your thinking, even though what you think you think is right. And how does that make you any different from anyone else who is a fundamentalist in their thinking? It doesn't matter what you're thinking. It's about the quality of how you think and what you're attuning to. You can choose to attune to nasty, powerful beings, but what we attune to, we then begin to attract. And this is, you know, so my perspective is the only people that really deal with the devil are those um, religious people who talk about it all the time. It's not part of my world, so because I'm not attuned to it. I don't think it's not part of what I work with. That doesn't mean I don't see evil in the world, but it certainly isn't this whole satanic, demonic thing, right? Because that's not what I'm attuned to. Are you attuning to your shadow behavior and normalizing it? Um, Are you, or are you attuning to your true self? And this was the, the focus of Betsy's show is our greatest ally, our source of the most accurate and honest clarity within ourselves is our own ongoing attunement to our true self. In, in a lot of my work, I refer to it as the authentic self, but it's the same thing, that it is the deepest truth of who you are and how you were meant to be in this life. It remains unperturbed by your life experiences. It retains your original qualities, your original gifts, your original sense of purpose. It is at the root of your intimacy with yourself and your love of yourself. 
And so by simply attuning, connecting to your true self, as Betsy describes in the show, and attuning to your true self before you engage in anything, any divination, any journey, any look out there into the world to look at what's going on, that attunes you to a a high level of clarity that allows you to see not only the truth out there, but to see the falseness not only out there, but also within yourself and better diagnose what is really the problem. And given that, what is the medicine that is needed? And so this attunement speaks um, also to creating a quality of protection that is in a sense self-sustaining. Unlike shielding, which ultimately drains us and over time can lead to chronic physical and emotional degradation, which in turn means we aren't really able to discern a reality accurately, another way that we try to protect ourselves is we just collapse and become invisible. And these are all um, uh, strategies that are problematic long-term, whereas attunement only grows in its benefit long-term, especially as you begin to engage your free will into it by asking these energies that you are attuning to with your true self, like your helping spirit or the divine energy, inviting them in to attune with you and asking them specifically to help you. And so what I'm encouraging us to really think about if we choose to be activists in the world is choose to attune to your true self. Notice where you are attuned to your false self and transform that now. To work with your helping spirits and your true self is the most energy efficient and effective system. It doesn't attract what you don't want, and your free will will only magnetize that relationship. So if you presume to stand against others in their false self, then you must stand in your true self. And the cultivation of that relationship is on your shoulders. So if you presume to protect the innocent for those who stand in their false self, then you must stand in your true self. It is our attunement with our true self that inspires our clarity. So it is this discipline and commitment that will give birth to the new ideas, the tricksy strategies, the crazy logic of fierce love that will be required of any path that will actually take us into the new world. So thank you everyone for listening to Betsy again and myself here today. We give thanks to the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. We give deep gratitude to all of the helping spirits and the ancestors that gather around us. Um, if you, There is still one space available in Massive Illusion and the Authentic Self. You can go to lastmaskcenter.org to register. You can find all other classes there for 2007, as well as the new actual energy clearing class that will be April 28th through 30th in Tuckwilla, Washington. Thank you all. Have a good week. <laughs>